0: The tomb is empty. What's it to you? I talked to the ladies in Bible class Friday morning about putting ourselves into the story of Passion Week as different characters. It changes things, it really does. On Good Friday, what would you be thinking if you were Peter? How about if you were the high priest or one of his cronies? How about if you were Judas? How would you be feeling... On Friday morning, if you were Judas Iscariot. How about if you were Mary, the mother of Jesus, say about two to three o'clock in the afternoon? How about Mary Magdalene, out of whom were cast seven demons? We know she was there, and we know she thought his death was permanent because of her having the burial ointments prepared and ready to administer on Sunday morning. After being set free from demonic torment and possession, what would she be thinking or feeling that Friday morning, all day Saturday, and then Sunday morning? If you crawl into her world and her mind and her heart, does the story of the crucifixion become more real to you? What changes about the story when we realize that these are real people living out these events? What if Mary Magdalene had been your sister? Would you have believed her? Believed her about what? She had been crazy, remember? Demon-possessed, poor girl. You can understand that under all that strain of Jesus's trial and his crucifixion, She could easily have snapped, been deluded, thought she had seen Jesus talk to him. Don't you think Mary knew the stereotypes, the judgments that people had of her and her possible credibility? She was only a woman in a culture that really didn't much respect the opinions or testimony of women. She is one of the first ones to encounter the empty tomb. But she was not alone, a fact we often miss. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But then after Peter and John have come and gone, best we can tell, she has returned to the tomb site. Why does Jesus appear to her first? Of all the people on the planet, why Mary first? I don't think He is primarily trying to make a pro-feminist statement, but who was there at the empty tomb first? Who had been there at the cross? Who brought spices to anoint his body? Who had traveled with him during his public ministry, according to Luke chapter 8? And so we start reading in verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others, These women were helping to support Jesus and his disciples out of their own means. So sacrificing and caregiving as a way to communicate affection and appreciation, that was a longstanding pattern for Mary and apparently many others. So we go back to that horrible Friday afternoon of Good Friday in Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun had stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what had took uh, place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching, eyewitness testimony, watching these things. Mark identifies the women for us who were there at the cross. Mark chapter 15, verse 40. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Luke is reiterating, Mark is now reiterating, that these women had supported Jesus and had come up with him to Jerusalem, and they were also there. Same point is made in Matthew chapter 27, verses 55 and 56. The story picks up back in Luke 23, verse 50. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, And he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus's body. Then he took it down. It's no longer Jesus. It's just Jesus's body. It's gone from being a he to an it. He took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. But then verse verse 55 says something very significant for us. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. They didn't just see the tomb. They saw how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Mark's version of the same events, chapter 15, verses 45 through 47. When he, Pontius Pilate, had learned from the centurion that it was so that Jesus was indeed dead, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, Wrapped it in the linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance to the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Matthew 27, verse 61. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. How close were they? To the tomb, they could see the way the body was arranged. They could see the stone rolled across the entrance to the tomb. We pick up the story in Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. He was with you, not just the apostles, not just the other disciples. He was with you in Galilee. He told you things while you were in Galilee. He said, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then... They remembered his words. You can't remember something you've never been exposed to, or that you've never experienced. Then they remembered what Jesus had previously taught, not just the apostles, but them. Verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. Well, who was it at the tomb? It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them. Apparently, it was quite a crowd who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Well, Peter, Peter is a credible witness. He's chief among the apostles, the primary preacher at Pentecost and at the household of Cornelius. Peter's words would have validity. And Jesus could have appeared to Peter first. But he chose not to. I would point out that Peter and John could initially testify to an empty tomb, but only Mary Magdalene at this point can testify to a risen Lord. Her testimony is later validated by those traveling to Emmaus and by the surviving 11 apostles. By the end of the same day, in fact, except for Thomas, who missed the first appearing to the apostles. And we focus on that Mary Magdalene was the first witness to the resurrection. But I say, so what? Stay with me here. What did the experience mean to Mary, not to everybody else? And this morning we can miss the point of what that encounter meant to her and what it should mean. Likewise, for each one of us. Which is why I want us to climb inside her reality and experience and feel what she feels.
1: It was quiet when we approached the tomb. Days before, there was noise wherever we went. Crowds cheering, sometimes yelling. But now, in front of his tomb... I had gathered all my spices and oils intending to anoint the body. But when I got there, he was gone. Jesus changed my life. Ever since the day that I met him in Galilee, I followed him ever since, all the way to his death, but there was the tomb, and it was empty. My heart broke into a thousand pieces. I turned, and there was a gardener, and I asked him if he knew where they had taken Jesus' body, but I recognized. It was my Lord. He taught us that his sheep would recognize his voice and I knew him. I knew him the minute he said my name. I dropped to my knees. What else could I do but cling to him? I never wanted to let him out of my sight. But no, he had different plans for me. He wanted me to let the others know about the good news. I ran as fast as my legs would carry me, shouting like an excited child. He did it. He did it. He he really did it. To think that I had come to an anoint a dead man. And I left with proof that he is the overcomer of everything. I, all of us, can never beat fear, sorrow, sin, definitely not death. Who do I say that he is? I know who he is. Oh, I know who he is. He said that he would rise. He most certainly is risen. He is the Savior. He is. He is the one true God.
0: can we begin to grasp the enormity of seeing jesus and not just seeing jesus but seeing jesus after clearly seeing him crucified dead and buried she was there at every stage of that process and now having him call her by name. Can we see what that would mean to her? He is not raised back to full deity status and can't be bothered by trivial details like somebody's name. Mary. Bob. Nancy. Bill. Fran, Rick, Sam, Penelope, Neil, each name, each life experience, all our former brokenness, all our despair and lost hope, all our shattered dreams, all our fears about what's going to happen next. Kind of relevant right now, right? In light of COVID-19, the tomb is empty. What's it to you? And not only is the tomb empty, but Jesus names you by name. He knows your name because he knows you. And if in love, God the Father can do all that for you, and Jesus can do all that for you. What wouldn't they do for you? Yes, little old you. Let's get uncosmic and big picture for a minute. Can we do that? Can we see that Easter is every bit as intimate as Christmas? We tend to see Easter as this big cosmic event and Christmas is this tender little scene in the manger, but Easter has its own tender little scene. Resurrection is personal or it's not resurrection. Jesus didn't just save the world. He saved me, and he saved you by name, just like he names Mary. She needed to hear it, and today so do each one of us. Wear your gloves and your face mask, practice social distancing, but those won't save you. They may prolong your earthly existence by a few years, but they won't save you in the way you most need to be saved. Jesus has already done that for just you. You see, he knows you by name. It's not only an empty cross and an empty tomb. It's a risen Lord, your risen Lord. So what's it to you